today on CityCast Pittsburgh. A new audit from the city says one of our biggest tourism groups isn't doing as much to put the city on the map as they should be. Music lovers may have a reason to increase their vinyl stash this weekend, and it's almost Earth Day. Stick with us to hear how Pittsburgh likes to claim the day. It's the Friday News Roundup, April 21st. I'm Megan Harris, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. I'm with CityCast Francesca DeBecco. Good morning. Hello. And a new voice to the pod, but an old friend for both of us, Stacey Federoff. We're so glad you're here. Hey, good morning, everybody. Glad to be here. So happy to have you. It's pretty fun to have you here in the pod studio on Point Park's campus because that's actually where we first met, like five-ish years ago. Yes, got my master's degree at mm-hmm. Point Park while and you were finishing your undergrad under, yep, degree. Yep, exactly. Oh, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, we can jump straight into the news. Uh, I want to start with something serious-ish. Our Tourism Bureau Visit Pittsburgh is getting some shade from the city. The controller's office did an audit recently and found a whole bunch of issues, most of them like a lack of transparency and what they're doing with their money. Have either of y'all been following this? A little bit, but I'm not sure about the particulars. No, tell me all about it. (laughs) Well, keep it short, but a bunch of their funds, we're talking millions, come from taxpayers, specifically a tax on hotel rooms when people stay here in town. Mm. Um, WTAE and the Post-Gazette both had stories about this. The audit, I guess, was 56 pages and covered five years of time. A local state senator ordered it. We'll come back to him, actually. Um, But generally, they found um, that lack of clarity about who's getting paid, what and why, that operators of large venues like the Convention Center um, and Heinz, I almost said Heinz Field, Acresher, um, PPG Paints. <laughs> Still valid. I know, right? Um, that they're not represented on the Visit Pittsburgh board, um, which is kind of important for connections, right? Mm. Um, some of that hotel money isn't restricted and should be. It's just going into their general fund where it's really hard to track down that they have too much money in reserves. So that's like $5 million. Wow. Um, that they're spending too much on their rent downtown, their rental space and that they aren't promoting enough events that would bring people to town. I do know they have a nice office. I have been there. Have you been? What's <laughs> yeah, it like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just has a really nice view. That, <laughs> like you would what? think. It would be, I, I remember thinking, wow, this would be really nice to watch fireworks from here. <laughs> yeah. Does it? What's it like the view of? Is it across the river? It's Fifth Avenue Place, I think. From what I remember, uh, it was a nice view of PNC Park. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. That seems like it'd have a nice price tag. <laughs> A bunch of those have, I think, Francesca, you've mentioned this before, like telescopes so they can watch the game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they can watch the game from it, but they can at least get like a cool view, you know, zoom in a little bit. (laughs) I like that. Um, What do you all think, though? Do you see much Visit Pittsburgh promotion around here? Francesca, I know you specifically, of course, are always looking for events for the Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. Is Visit Pittsburgh party a roundup? (laughs) I'm ashamed. Honestly, no. (laughs) Um, I mean, occasionally I'll get like an email in my inbox and I'll include something, but I get everything I need from social. I mean, I follow so many different businesses and organizations and that's normally how I feel it. I, normally not those sort of like big ticket events tr- type of things, but um, no, I just, I, I don't. Well, but the thing is, right, that Visit Pittsburgh isn't for us. It's not for people in Pittsburgh. It's to bring people from outside of the right. city to the city. 
Yeah, that ownership is kind of interesting, right? Like you want them to be like good cheerleaders for the city, but it's hard to see evidence of that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with all this happening, do we know how much they're paying people? I thought this was really interesting. The Post-Gazette had a weird note about it. So the audit summary talks about that lack of transparency, right? And they list that 12 Visit Pittsburgh employees are paid in excess of market rates, including three by more than 25%. Whoa. But then there's a note from the CEO where he counters that, you know, the report did not point out that 21 workers are paid below market rates. So nah, nah, nah. But I'm like, why would you be bragging about that? That means two thirds of your workforce is underpaid. That's like not... That doesn't make it a good job. Oh, no. Mm. I don't know. The whole thing made me feel a little weird. Yeah, it seems like an interesting industry to be in towards the marketing yeah. when it comes to jobs, you know. Yeah. And how, how you're paying them. I worked at a tourism bureau um, in Tennessee after college, and it was it was an interesting thing to do after being in journalism um, through my undergrad experience. But they did a ton of stuff in the city. Like, they considered it very much a part of their mission to make locals care about the city they lived in, ah. which I thought was – it was an interesting switch coming up here because that's not the experience I've had as a Pittsburgher here. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just different. It's also been said, right, that natives don't leave. So maybe that has something <laughs> to do with it. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. (laughs) You said the state senator would come back up. What's the tea there? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so it was Wayne Fontana. He sits on the board of the Sports and Exhibition Authority. Um, So they're the ones that kind of oversee all our arenas and everything. Um, And they have a big old stake in this game because they need the arenas to be full basically all of the time. Like even if the teams aren't playing, they need to be hosting concerts and conferences and doing different stuff so that, you know, it continues to sort of pay for itself. That's a separate question, but. <laughs> I mean, the only one I know about recently that Visit Pittsburgh had a hand in was um, Anthrocon, you know, the furries. I believe they sold out all of their rooms within 24 hours. Um, <laughs> and then had to open up some more. Yeah. I just actually brought up the press release I'm referencing it here. Um, <laughs> they sold 8,917 room nights. So that's probably multiple nights. That seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot. I always think about the like obscure professional organization conventions when I see the placards in the windows of the restaurants when totally. you're walking down yeah. there. Or like just, you know, really nice like business casual looking people wandering around looking up a lot with a lanyard on (laughs) yeah yeah totally the lanyards (laughs) actually uh stacy if we want to go way way back to our tribune review days uh historically there has been a bunch of reporting i found this so funny about how high the pay is at visit pittsburgh and just how many people got jobs because of like existing political connections way back in the day apparently there was a bunch of reporting that predates both of us um from like more than 10 years ago um the beef at the time was that their operating costs were way too high and that it shouldn't take that much money to run what is supposed to be a not-for-profit of its size. Hmm. Like I said before, I think it's just a hard place to be in with tourism marketing. Like where, where yeah. is the line that's like too much money that you're putting toward marketing and tourism? Yeah. 
Um, and all this increased scrutiny, of course, is a thing because Visit Pittsburgh has been pushing for a county tourism improvement district. And the state has to approve that, uh, which means Fontana or his ilk. Um, and it would all be funded by an additional 2% hotel fee. Um, and Fontana says that they don't deserve that if they don't have their own house in order. So, <laughs> Uh-oh. Visit Pittsburgh has to read up. Visit Pittsburgh does not approve uh, or appreciate of anything in this <laughs> audit, by the way. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was kind of an interesting one to bring up. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom-inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus, a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique, from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. All right, let's lighten the mood just a little bit uh, with a couple recommendations to mark some fun sort of holidays in the Berg. They are both on Saturday, suspense, and one is a little less official than the other. We're going to start with that one. It's Record Store Day here in the city. Stacy, I feel like we've made it to your moment. Yes, that's what I'm here for. Um, <laughs> you literally have a bag of records today. Yes, I'm you. so excited to see you. <laughs> um, well... I just wrote about records for uh, Pittsburgh Magazine. Uh, yeah, and you focused on one DJ and store in particular, right? Yes. Uh, Scotty Ashbaugh, who goes by Flipside Scotty, <laughs> is 25 and he's from Vandergrift. And so what's most interesting to me and got me wanting to write about him for the magazine is that even though he's 25, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of the Pittsburgh DJs from the mid 60s. Wow. Like, like specifically the 60s? I mean, I'm sure they go farther past the <laughs> 60s, yeah. but those were the those were the ones that he really likes because uh, when that. when he was little, his grandpa got him into doo-wop and uh. then it evolved into garage rock. So, um like Porky Chedwick who was on Whammo and Mad Mike on WZUM. I had fun talking to him as a record collector myself to learn all about them and their the way that they would play the songs at the dances so the teens would go wild over them but the DJs wouldn't say the names of the song or the <laughs> artist and Mad Mike would go as far as to rip the labels off the oh, records wow. so that he was the only one who knew what the song was so then you had to tune in to the radio show what that's what? sneaky and I hate it <laughs> <laughs> like imagine that it's just so different from the way we discover music today that's what I thought was fascinating. And now we have an app where we literally can record music playing and it'll tell us the song. Like, gosh, the gatekeeping that's involved in that. That was definitely the word that I thought of, too. 
My favorite thing from your story in Pittsburgh Magazine was that he said in a first grade assignment that he wanted to be an oldies DJ when he grew up. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, just um, so cool that uh, he's, you know, still pursuing it. He has an internet radio show that he produces on Thursday nights. It's mixcloud.com slash radio core. Cool. <laughs> and um, he also spins records over at Get Hip, the record store uh, in Chateau on the north side. Very cool. Well, Stacey, what about you? So how long have you been collecting records? I feel like I saw kind of the genesis of some of your early collections, but you have definitely evolved since then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my dad had a record collection from college that I got into in high school. And then I really started rating his stuff uh, once I was in college and then came back from college um, and like appreciated it more. I think I just really like You're handling the cover, you're absorbing the artwork and the liner notes, and, like, it is kind of a time capsule. And then, you know, obviously you have the music uh, once you put the record on. I love that a a former newspaper writer is really into the tangible aspect of a vinyl record that feels right for you. It's the whole experience. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and that's why I like to go, you know, to places whenever I'm traveling, like, seek out the record stores and get a feel for what the record store is like, you know, in... Grimey's in Nashville or Amoeba Records um, in L.A. Uh, So then, like, it's something that can only be captured if you're there in person. Yeah, I feel like visiting the different cities, like, seeing what types of records they have, it, it tells you the story of that city through those records. That's really neat. I admit, I think I've only bought a couple things on vinyl in the last 10 years. Most of my collection is like yours started, rescued from dusty shelves at my parents' house or my grandparents' <laughs> house. I don't know. What are what are some of your prized ones? Well, I was going to tell you about my favorite one, which came from Goodwill, which is like emblematic. Goodwill has records? Well, yeah. <laughs> I have, I've never thought about They're that. They're more of the dusty yeah. you know, dollar variety that <laughs> yeah. you're talking about. Than and an like, old shabby box. Right. Um, so you have to wade through a lot of like Lawrence Welk and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> some of those are, are really fun. And uh, this is one of my favorite Goodwill finds <sighs> specifically for the album artwork and the liner notes. So it's called Zither Magic by Ruth Welcome. <laughs> that is a beautiful and cover. For the podcast purposes, there is a woman in a witch hat. She has kind of a greenish glow to her that is coming up from the smoke in her cauldron, and she is holding onto a zither. Uh, but oh my, my goodness. But if you turn it to the back, you see a, like an artistic rendering of what Ruth Welcome actually looks like with her zither. And the liner notes say, on the cover... Poised over her boiling cauldron with implements of witchcraft close at hand is Dolores Greer. <laughs> it goes on. <laughs> but, but what you need to know is, talented as she is, Miss Greer assures us that in real life, she practices neither black magic nor the zither. <laughs> and that's why this is my favorite record. <laughs> that's incredible. And the music is good, too. It's just instrumental string music. Is you it know, sort of halloween I feel like you've played that at my house, actually. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I love this so much. No, that's the other funny part. None of the songs have anything to do with Halloween or spooky music. It's just, you know, that was the theme that they went with for the cover. That's really neat. So, Stacey, your story gets into this a little bit, but I guess quickly, how popular is vinyl collecting right now? And I mean, is it is it that nationally? Is it internationally? Is it just in the city? I don't know. What can can we wrap our heads around? (laughs) In 2022... 
actually 41 million vinyl units were sold compared to 33 million CDs. So there's been a resurgence of vinyl record collecting. Uh, and they made up 70% of all physical music sales in 2022. And that's nationally. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot more than I would have expected, but I also went to a show the other day that had cassette tapes on the table. I was not mentally prepared for that. Um, Incredible, but also, (laughs) do people have cassette players? There's another day for cassettes if you want me to come back and talk about that. All right, we will. Not that I collect those. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the first time since 1987 that vinyl has led physical music sales, (laughs) surpassing CDs. So Record Store Day, I think I read somewhere that it's the 16th annual. Is there anything that you're, I don't know, really excited about this year? Well, every year uh, for the event, there are exclusive releases. So a lot of the times they're special color variants or Uh previously unreleased albums or songs on vinyl. And um, this year there's more than 300 of them. Uh, So it's tough to go down through the list, but a lot of people pick out their favorites. And uh, the two that stood out to me have Pittsburgh connections. The one is Mac Miller's jazz side project as Larry Lovestein. He did an EP and um, it has previously not been on a physical media. So it's only been streaming. I don't think I realized that. No, I had no idea. One of his last projects is probably my favorite, which is devastating. It's a little bedroomy. I, li- I listen to the jazz. <laughs> to the jazz that might thing. be my favorite adjective I've heard in yes. a while. <laughs> yes. Anything else? Uh, then there's also an Almond Brothers album that is coming out on steel gray vinyl. Uh, it's a live recording from the Syria Mosque. Wow. Okay. Didn't expect an Almond Brothers throwback. It was really popular as a bootleg, apparently. Hmm. Cool. So, Stacey, how can we support these stores for Record Store Day? Well, definitely the biggest thing is if you're going to go to a local record store, buy something. Even if you're not going to buy records, if you don't collect records or have a turntable, Francesca. Yes. uh, (laughs) You can can still buy like a T-shirt, a sticker, a tote bag. I recently came across a store in New Zealand called Suffragette Records that only sells records by female artists. Cool. And I wanted to support them, so I bought a T-shirt. Neat. And then what about stuff to do maybe in the city this weekend? Um, You did share a a very long list of stuff to do, um, but maybe hit a couple high notes for us. Well, uh, in particular, just patronizing the record stores. Attic, I know, in Millvale, Opens at 8 a.m. and usually has a, a people lining up prior to the doors opening. And they request that people bring their list of the Record Store Day exclusive releases so that oh. they can get people moving through the line quickly. Um, and I know that Jerry's Records in Squirrel Hill a classic has a dollar bin kind of sale all weekend uh, with over 20,000 records as wow. they advertise. Um, usually it's like overflow of stuff that has been brought in and it's like, you, there'll be some gems in there maybe, but there also might not be. And that's just got to be okay with you. Right. Right. And that's when you go looking for the cool album art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, any of the record stores like Long Play Cafe in Lawrenceville, uh, would be good to hit Ides, which is like 
the edge of uh, downtown, the Strip District, Government Center on the north side. There's Pleasant Dreams and Polish Hill. Then you have some of the ones, um, well, and like I mentioned already, Get Hip uh, on the north side. But then there's the ones that are a little bit farther out if you want to go to um, Vinyl Remains in Mount Lebanon, which has the best... uh, category i think easy slash cheesy for a dollar <laughs> <laughs> totally my favorite um or there's uh rabbit hole in greensburg inner groove in manaka and then if you really want to make like the road trip george's song shop in johnstown is actually the oldest record store in the united states no way i didn't know that cool yeah. well we will be sure to put these events and more in upcoming newsletters to make sure people are covered thanks so much for sharing that And Francesca, you want to tell us what else is happening on Saturday? Our dear Mother Earth Day. Okay, I'm going to ask the dumb question because I know I've looked it up, but honestly, I don't remember what is Earth Day exactly and why are we celebrating it? Doesn't it have something to do with the start of the modern environmental movement? Is yeah. That, is that real? Yeah, it marks the anniversary of the movement, which was in 1970. Oh, right. I remember the 50th anniversary now. Got it. My brain's back. Um, <laughs> Rachel Carson is from here. Does that give us any special dibs on the day? You know, it really should. I don't know why we don't pull a Picklesburg and throw a giant eco-friendly party on the Rachel Carson Bridge every year. Pull a Picklesburg is a good one. (laughs) (laughs) So for folks who don't know, of course, Rachel Carson is a bit of a legend. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Her work is widely considered some of the most influential environmental writing ever published especially her 1962 book, Silent Spring, about the harmful effects of pesticide. That is exactly right. And she was born in 1907 on a farm right here in Springdale, which is now the Rachel Carson Homestead. It's under construction right now, but it is expected to be completed this month. Um, Did y'all look all this up in advance? Because there's a lot of dates (laughs) flying around. Yeah, (laughs) Stacey and I, we did a little research. Uh, We hold some Pittsburgh knowledge, but maybe, you know, fill in the gaps. (laughs) I was about to say, I'm I'm impressed being able to call out uh, by memory the birth year. Wow. (laughs) Well, if you check out my newsletter from Monday, I published a little feature on her with a photo from the Chatham archives. She She's very young and with her older siblings along the beach of the Allegheny River. And I just love this photo because there are cows in the background in the Allegheny River. They're in the river? Yeah, they're they're taking a drink, taking a bath in the river. Um, <laughs> that's a sight we will never get to see. I thought it was sort of poetic that the first place where she sort of dipped her toes into nature is the same water where her bridge now stands over. Aw. Oh, that is so nice. Wow. <laughs> Well, um, she earned a biology degree from what was then the Pennsylvania College for Women, which is now Chatham University in 1929. Yeah. And another fun fact, but not at all surprising, she started college as an English major. Which, of course, played a part in her writing style, and that made her stand out, uh, helped make the science in her books accessible and more impactful. And that's what led her then to Silent Spring? Yeah, she went on to get her master's degree at Johns Hopkins, but didn't finish her PhD because she had to return to the farm to help her family. And she had three books before Silent Spring. Oh, I didn't realize that. So that she had like kind of a long list then of published works. Those ones are about the ocean. Oh. 
Yeah, the book was a game changer in bringing environmental concerns to the American people. It got a ton of opposition by chemical companies, of course. You're talking about Silent Spring. Yes, yes. But it led to the reversal in national pesticide policy a nationwide ban on DDT and other pesticides, and it inspired a grassroots environmental movement that created the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in 1970. It comes back around the first Earth Day. Very cool. Yeah, but unfortunately, um, Carson died of breast cancer at 56 in 1964. Oh, so before the agency was founded. Right, yeah, which is sad um, and pretty powerful when you think about all the work she did to help get rid of cancer-causing chemicals. If you want to learn more about this incredible woman of Pittsburgh's past, I suggest you go watch the PBS documentary about her. It's just titled her name, Rachel Carson. Well, so what are some ways then that Pittsburgh can maybe honor a little bit of that legacy um, and participate in the National Day, Earth Day? Yeah. One way is by getting down in the dirt, of course. Uh, Tomorrow, the Gardens of Millvale is doing a shiitake log workshop. Uh, Garfield Community Farm is unveiling their seed sharing library. And Grounded Strategies is doing a tree planting at Oasis Farm and Fishery in Homewood. Um, And then there's another tree planting at Gertie's Woods out near Reserve Township. Oh, those all sound so cool. Maybe the holiday will finally inspire me to go check out the Rachel Carson Trail, which is like 45 miles long through North Park up to Harrison Hills Park. Yeah, I still haven't been there either. really want to make it out. They have a race every year, and I have not heard great things. Apparently, it is quite challenging. Oh, no. <laughs> I think challenge is in the name, right? <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, we could also always be inspired to, you know, clean up after ourselves, but also maybe after our neighbors, litter, things like that. So Allegheny Cleanways is launching their Litter League opening tournament at Aetna Riverfront Park today. The six-week competition gives out prizes to players who meet trash-picking goals. Um, But if you don't want to commit to the competition, they do different river and water bank cleanups year-round. So that's a good way to get involved. This may be weird to say, (laughs) but I love picking up litter. (laughs) Certain kinds of litter, but I like to call them street treasures or goblin finds. So I'll need to check out the Pittsburgh Street Stewards, where you can adopt a block in your neighborhood to red up. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, the Pittsburgh Street Stewards, they're a great community-led effort. Um, Check them out on Instagram. Uh, So what if we would prefer to uh, engage with Earth Day by partying? Is that also an option? Yes, it is. You mean you don't think trash is a party? (laughs) I (laughs) think so. It can be both. It can. It really can. Um, So you can head to the Three Rivers Heritage and Water Trails in Southside Riverfront Park for trail-based activities, vendors, food, music, all kinds of fun. Uh, Make sure to register for activities ahead of time. And if you're a part of the 21 plus crowd, head to Goodlander Cocktail Brewery in Larimer for the Refillery's Earth Day celebration with a brewery tour, uh, Mexican food, live music, and networking bingo. Um, (laughs) What is networking bingo? I don't know, but it sounds like a fun event. Um, And then if you want some Earth Day treats, uh, the Cheese Queen is hosting a pop-up at their brick and mortar in Mount Oliver with bouquets from Armful Flowers, vintage from Everyday Eclectic, and Chapel Valley Farms honey sampling, plus uh, porch party charcuterie plates. Uh, That's from 11 to 3 tomorrow. Anything for kids? 
Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, you can learn the science behind turning river water into clean drinking water at the Carnegie Science Center's H2O River Weekend. It's free with general admission. And then fun for the whole fam, uh, Millie's has a new out-of-this-world ice cream. It's blue and green, and it literally looks like the earth, and it benefits youth programs at the Frick Environmental Center. Well, before we go, um, one quick housekeeping note. As of this week, I am no longer the team lead for CityCast Pittsburgh. Francesca already knows this um, because I'm going to be on mic full time. Yes. Ooh, exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Breaking news. Uh, It's been such an honor, truly, to be a conduit to my community in this way. And I'm really humbled by the confidence that my colleagues have in me. Um, I'm going to try really hard to live up to it every day. Oh, um, you will. (laughs) Which means that our own Mallory Falk is going to be stepping up to lead. God help you, Mallory. You're my manager now. Yay, Mallory. (laughs) She's in the room for everyone who doesn't know that. Uh, Anyway, we're going to be hiring an audio producer to join our team. If you think that that could be you, uh, please look out for the posting. Um, It should be up any day. Uh, Stacey, thank you so much for being a part of this today. It feels like a big week here, and I'm really glad we got to share it with you. Oh, thanks. It's great to be here. And anytime I can talk about records is a good day, too. Or anything (laughs) Pittsburgh nerdy. Let's be real. (laughs) Yes, please come back. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our production team this week includes Lizzie Goldsmith, Noah Snyderman, and Mallory Falk. Our music was composed by Benji. Francesca DeBecco is our wonderful Hey Pittsburgh newsletter editor. And the host is officially me, Megan Harris. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. He might have a studio. Where? Sorry. <laughs> Did you just quack? <laughs> well, it was a reactionary sound. I can't, can't say if it was a quack or not. <laughs> Cannot confirm or deny <laughs> yes, exactly. if it was a quack. <laughs>